Welcome to all those that are viewing, if anybody's viewing this, uh, those in Christian Coffee Time or otherwise, it's nice to have you here. We're in Mark chapter 8. We're um, following the Gospels through chronologically, and make sure you have some writing material with you, some pen and paper, so write down different verses that we uh, talk about and cross-references and things like that. So we're going to get going here. Now, uh, we're going to have a word of prayer first, and then we will uh, get underway. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we just would like to thank you now, Lord. We thank you for this blessed time, this time where we stand upon very holy ground as we open your word, Lord, and look and see what it says. And Lord, we know that these things are written for us, things for us to learn, things for us to learn about you, Lord Jesus. We just pray that today we would be, uh, well, that you teach us from the scriptures, Lord, and that you be honored and glorified and that everybody listening would get something out of it that the saints be strengthened, and if there are any that are unsaved, watching or hearing, Lord, that they would turn to you with all their heart and be saved, Lord Jesus. So we just thank you for this time now, and we thank you for everything now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, last week we had looked at um, the uh, Lord Jesus was warning the uh, disciples about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and of Herod, and we looked at that sort of thing and all that stuff. And we saw uh, um, that uh, the Lord was warning the disciples, the leaven, he talks about later on, he says that's the doctrines, that's the teachings. And we mentioned last week that um, that word doctrine simply means teachings. You hear sometimes people say, we don't, well, I don't like all those doctrines and this and that. It just means teachings. If you don't like the teachings of the Bible, you have a big problem. Um, but uh, that's what that means. And so he said, beware of that. So we take it from that that the Lord Jesus was very concerned about what his disciples were learning, okay? Very concerned about what they were uh, being confronted with. When they were confronted by the Pharisees and such, there's all kinds of things that come into their minds and such. And uh, the Lord says, you be careful of this. You beware of that thing. We looked at the words last week, and to beware of, and, and uh, there was another word there, I can't remember which one it was. It means to beware of, the, of something that's a problem and keep your eye on it. And I likened it like to a, uh, a rattlesnake. Um, I don't like them in any way, shape, or form. Snakes, that is. I mean, Paris likes them. <laughs> but you have a rattlesnake. You're going to keep your eye on it? You got one in the room, you're going to keep it in the corner. You're going to get out of the room. You're going to get away from it. Eh? You're going to run screaming like a little girl. <laughs> but that's the idea as far as false doctrines and stuff the Lord says you just be careful of that so keep that in mind the Lord's very interested in what the disciples were learning and he wanted to keep them away from um, um, false doctrines and, and all, all this other stuff that was going on around about him and the stuff that was around, around us today now as far as our introduction here into this <clears throat> excuse me we note that Jesus was traveling a lot, okay? We've seen that. And he had gone from, remember the feeding of the 5,000, I've got my map up, I was going to bring a pointer, but not a pointer. Uh, the feeding of the 5,000 took place way up in the north here. Uh, oh, this is a river runs up through here, anyway, that's the Jordan, continues on through here. Uh, that outside of Beth, uh, Bethsaida, near Julian, it's called, was the feeding of the 5,000, right? And from there, they took ship and, and came across to uh, uh, Capernaum, which is up here, where the Lord walked on the water here. They went to Capernaum because the, um, the Passover was taking place. And he wanted to be there. And they were confronted with uh, the um, Pharisees and the scribes and such, and ones that came up from Jerusalem and they had a problem. So the Lord and the disciples left Capernaum 
and traveled way over. Now this isn't to scale. This is a little further over Mediterranean Sea here in the coastline. Traveled over to Tyre and Sidon and the area and the coast. And we didn't. We don't have much in the Bible about what they did up there. But they left from there. And the next place they went to, and I drew this red line around here. But we don't. They went to Decapolis at the border right here, way down in the corner here. Now, we aren't told in the Bible. The Bible says that we don't have everything that Jesus did. Okay? He, whether he went around there or whether they came back to here and took a ship across, we don't know. But anyways, they made their way around way down to here. And remember the feeding of the 4,000 took place down here. And then they left from there. They went over to Dalmanutha, Magdala. And we saw the things that uh, took place there. Um, just last week and such. And when they left there, they had problems. When they were there, they had problems with the Pharisees and such. And then getting into a boat or a ship, whatever you want to call it, they're going up here to Bethsaida again, near Julian. This is what we're going to look at today. Do you see all the traveling? Mm. And what struck me was that, you see, they go, the Lord took them into outlying areas, way away from this place here. Because there was a synagogue here, and that place was had a lot of the pharisaical type things and the problems over here. But now they're going to go uh, up to here, and then this morning we're going to look at the healing of the blind man, and then they go from there up to Caesarea Philippi. Okay, It's not Caesarea on the coast. This is Caesarea Philippi up here. He's just traveling all the time. We see the, the lengths to which the Lord will go to, to reach people and such. But is he going to... Doing these things to kind of avoid crowds, perhaps. Um, to avoid confrontations with the Pharisees and such, perhaps. But he wants to teach the disciples and show them things without being interrupted either, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Perhaps he's going, as the Bible tells us, to the Jew first. Maybe there's a, um, a few Jewish people scattered around those places. We don't really know, okay? But we see him traveling and going all over the place. And it's quite a fascinating study to see. And then to see how they, uh, we read one um, account after another. But there could be weeks in between each account. Because how long did it take you to walk from Tyre, uh, Sidon down to Decapolis? A few days, eh? Maybe a week. I don't, week, I don't know. I haven't been there. Anyway, so let's have a look at this. So that's the background for this. So they're up. They're headed towards, now they've landed at Bethsaida near Julian at the top. Now remember, only a few, a few weeks, maybe a month, I don't know, not too long before this, they were already there, and the feeding of the 5,000 took place. Now remember, it was 5,000, the Bible says, men. If every man had a wife and two children, you're looking at 20,000 people. Okay? And we want to keep this in mind, because there's something happens here, and it's like, well, what's going on? This is weird. We'll look at this. So they're right back up there. And verse 22 in Mark 8. And he cometh to Bethsaida. That's Bethsaida, Julian at the top there. And they walk into the town. How do you know that? Well, because of what's taking place here. And uh, we see, and, and they bring a blind man unto him. Wait a minute, back up. Now this is very important here. Because you will see as we go through this that the crowds have not gathered. They have just landed, just walked into town, and they, I believe, refers to the disciples. Because there was no crowds, nobody even saw that they were there yet. How do you know that? Well, it tells us that. 
It tells us that when the blind man, when he says he sees men walking, they're just walking by. They're walking by not paying any attention to Jesus and the disciples. You know what I think? And this is just what I think. You don't have to accept it. But you know that the disciples were from this area. They were fishermen. This is Bethsaida. Somebody said that Bethsaida means house of fish. Okay, or something like that. I think it was another Bethsaida over here somewhere. They say maybe there wasn't, maybe there was. There's a lot of conflict with that. But they're from this region up here. I think this is a, a relative of one of the disciples. They no sooner get into town, and they go and find this blind man. He's in town. What's he doing in town? He lives out of town. What would a blind man do in those days? He's on the street begging. Okay, so get the picture. There he is on the street begging. They just land there in their own hometowns, their own country, their own, own stomping grounds, as it were. And the crowds weren't around them to bring some, but to bring people. I think it was the disciples. They went and grabbed Uncle George, or whatever his name was. Bring them, bring them to Jesus. And it tells us, and they bring a blind man in town who was begging unto him and besought him. See that word there? Besought means to beg. Please, please heal him. Why this guy? And they just, they just landed. He was probably a relative. Or a friend. Okay? You don't have to agree with that. Well, I think that's what's taking place. They're begging him to touch him. Just touch him, Lord. And there again you have, uh, it's not a bad thing, but people are telling the Lord, do it this way. Just heal him like this. Jesus got, we looked earlier, he's got uh, a different way of doing things, right? God has a different way of doing things. His ways are above ours, do you think? Yeah, yeah the Bible tells us that, eh? And we think things should be done like this, like this, and... We're going to see again he's going to do, do uh, this healing, this miracle, a little different. Okay? So you get the picture. They've landed there. They've got this guy. Bring him to Jesus. The people don't even recognize him there. This is what he wanted. He's always telling them, don't tell anybody. And he tells this guy too. Now, don't go into town. Don't tell anybody. But we read in verse 23, and he took the blind man by the hand. So the disciples were beseeching Jesus, begging him, please heal this man. What does it remind you of? Remind you of our prayers. Just pouring out your heart before God. Lord, please. And what does he what does he do? He says, ah, get away from me. No way. He turns and he takes the, the blind man by the hand. How do you think he did that? Come on with me then. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that at all. We have the gentleness and the kindness of God Almighty taking that man's hand and just walking him. Watch your step now and I'll guide you. Takes him out of town because he doesn't want the crowds in town and such to gather again. But I asked this question. It wasn't that long before that they were up there and the 5,000 were fed. And none of them recognized Jesus. Maybe it was the Lord's doing they didn't want to be recognized. But none of them recognized him. And he took the, the blind man out of town not to be recognized. And I was thinking of, thinking of that, how the Lord went about doing those things in uh, um, solitude. You say that? You know, what, you know what I mean. Away from crowds and stuff. And you think today of uh, high-powered preachers and stuff and TV guys and all that stuff. 
And they love the crowds and they want the attention and everything else. And that's not what the Lord Jesus was like, eh? Mm. That's not what he was like. He wanted to take him out of hand. Um, a couple things for us to remember here uh, as we go through this in regards to this miracle that he's going to do. First of all, we have here the only instance of a gradual cure. The first and only incidence of a gradual cure. When the Lord Jesus did other, other things and such, um, it was instantaneous. Okay? So let's, he's trying to remember, he's teaching the disciples something. And you know he's teaching us today? He's teaching us today by his actions and words way back then. Hey, amen? Amen. Um, perhaps he's teaching the disciples and us that every miracle, every prayer answered, would not be instantaneous. Perhaps. In some cases, the victory over uh, sin and sickness and such could be gradual. We have incidences of that in the Bible. Daniel prayed for three weeks. And when the, when the, uh, the angel came to him, the messenger came to Daniel and says, From the first day that thou didst uh, humble thyself, and so on and so forth, I was sent. But he was, had was stopped with a battle with the, uh, the prince of Persia and so on and so forth. But he was heard from the first day. And the answer of his prayer was put off. I've told you before about the George Mueller prayed one time for an individual, an old friend I think it was, to be saved. He prayed for that man for 60 years before he got saved. But from the outset, he was confident that God was going to save him. Because he said, ask, and you shall receive. So there's something here. And we pray, and we pray, and we want to, we're kind of like we go up to Tim Hortons, you go through the drive-thru, and you make, place your order, and yep, we'll have it for you, ready for you, and just... Right away, you know. That's like we want our prayers answered like that, eh? We put in our order with the Lord. Hey, yeah, I'll just drive it. Have it ready. And it might take a while. It might take a long while. It might take a lifetime to answer a prayer. That's the way God does things, eh? We're dealing here with God manifest in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we keep those things in mind as we look at this. We say, boy, why did he do it like that? Well, perhaps, I'm just saying perhaps this is one of the reasons why. And it may not be the reason, but it sure uh, we can see that in our own lives as we pray and so on and so forth. Uh, never stop praying. I mean, Lillian's uh, 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 church folks and that praying for her nieces and nephews and such. And a long time. We've been praying for people for a long time. But in that span of time, God's doing stuff. Okay. I often say that prayers about the weather and stuff, that's easy stuff, eh? Every note cutting the grass, say, oh Lord, it starts to rain. Oh Lord, please just hold it off for 10 more minutes and it stops. Mm -hmm. You put the mower away and it starts raining again. That's an easy one. But dealing with people's hearts and their souls takes longer, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So we see, and he took the blind man by the hand. And put yourself there. You've got to place yourself right in that thing and walk along with him. So you're walking out of town out away from the crowds, and yet there's still people moving about and so on and so forth. And he led him out of the town. Okay? Now that town, at that time, uh, uh, the small town was a, a, a village or a, a small town without walls. Usually the cities had walls. These ones didn't. Okay? It doesn't mean anything to us. Right now. 
And when he had spit on his eyes, he, what? Hmm. Heard one preacher one time in his prayer and opening up, he says, oh Lord, just spit on us. <laughs> you know that sometimes we have, <clears throat> excuse me, sayings uh, in our life and society and such that come right out of the Bible, eh? Mm -hmm. We looked at one this last week or the week before, red sky at night, sailors, and like, that's out of the Bible. You ever heard of that? When somebody does something, they turn on something, it's like you spit right in his eye. To spit in his eye is, a, is an insult. It's out of the Bible here. And I think it's a, um, I think it's a phrase that's used as an insult to God, to mockery of the Lord Jesus in this particular passage right here. The Lord Jesus uh, had nothing vile about him at all. If you or I spit on someone, uh, that's, well, that, that's assault today. The Lord Jesus, he's different. There's nothing vile about him. You just think about that one for a bit. And he spit on his eyes. The idea there, that word on, actually means into. So the spit got right into his eyes. Okay? Place yourself there. Watch what he does. He spit on his eyes, and then Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. You know, he put it on his eyes because it, later on it says he put his hands again on his eyes. Okay? That's pretty powerful stuff. The hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, God Almighty, puts his hand on. Mm. Okay? And for whatever reason, we really don't know. We have to say that. We really don't know why the man wasn't healed all of a sudden. But a few things about the man that we can take some lessons from, too. Um, he put his hands upon him. And he asked him if he saw aught. He said, do you see anything? That's a reasonable question. But look at verse 24, that first bit. And he looked up. Wait a minute. That means he was looking down. We get to see something about this guy. If you, I, I never would want to be blind. Do you ever walk around, uh, uh, close your eyes and try to maneuver? That's scary stuff. So he had that problem. Perhaps it's natural for a blind person maybe to just put their head down and just kind of feel their way along with whatever. When I read this, I look at that. The guy keeps putting his head down. Perhaps, just perhaps, he was so discouraged. Perhaps he was so downtrodden in this thing that had overcome him that this, this natural bent was to... It's just like that. Do you ever get like that? Maybe you have your life like that. The answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's always Jesus Christ is the answer to every problem. Amen. But look at this guy. And they asked him if he saw aught. When Jesus asked him, the guy was looking down. So he puts his head up, and he's looking straight out, okay? He wasn't looking up. He's looking straight out at people, okay? And he looked up. And he said, I see men as trees walking. I see men as trees walking. I was thinking about this. I think this. All this guy ever knew about trees was the trunk. He lost his sight at a very early age. So he didn't, would not remember. How do you know it was an early age? How, how do you know he wasn't blind from birth? Because it says that his 
uh, sight was restored unto him. Okay, you saw every man. He was restored. So at one time he had sight, but it was probably when he was a very young, very small infant, he didn't remember that it's not, it's not all a tree is, this trunk. The branches and the birds and the leaves and the blue sky up there amongst the trees, they're the wonders of a tree, you know. He didn't know that. All he knew was he would walk along and there's a tree trunk, okay. That's all he knew. That's all he knew. This poor guy, so downtrodden, the blind state he was in, put him in such a, 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 a such a state. He hadn't seen the, the branches and the leaves. But in his blurred vision, and he's looking, he says, I see men as trees walking. He sees what looks like tree trunks just moving, the form just moving around. But I think it's very telling that that's all he knew of a tree. See, Pete, he saw men as trees uh, walking. As I said earlier, uh, he had likely been blind most of his life. We want to just consider, <coughs> excuse me, his perception. This was natural to him. His perception of a tree was just the trunk. Okay. The perception. You've probably heard of the story of the blind men and the elephant. Um, the three, three blind men, not three blind mice, three blind men uh, were to, to describe an elephant. And the first one walks up to the elephant and he feels the tail. Well, an elephant is like a rope. Okay. And another one goes up and gets the trunk. Well, an elephant's like a great big snake. And the third guy walks up and he's touching the, the side. An elephant's like a wall. That's their perception. That's all they know. It's all you and I know sometimes. We don't know as we ought to know, do we? We don't know much about the things of God. We don't know much about anything. And all this guy knew of a tree was that it was just a trunk. Okay. Perception. And we think we know so much and we don't know much at all. And this guy's perception, how he perceived this, was a little bit uh, off, wasn't it? We need our vision sharpened. We need our vision sharpened. And how does this take place? In spending time with the Lord. In looking into the Bible and spending time with the Lord Jesus. We need our vision sharpened to see people as made in the image of God. Those people that we don't agree with, those people maybe we don't like or whatever. But Jesus Christ died on the cross for them too. We need to see people as made in the image of God. Ones for whom Christ has died. We should not have, and I don't know about you, I'm guilty of it. Sometimes we don't like this or that or that kind of whatever, you know. We need our vision sharpened. Well, we only see uh, people as trees walking. We need to see them as God sees them, as God sees individuals. Everybody ought to know. We all sang that. We all sang it out. But that's our job, to go and tell them. And yes, maybe everybody won't, won't hear. Nobody will hear unless we speak up. We need to see people as God sees them. And we need to see people without the hatred 
and the bigotry and so on and so forth that's common in us. And it is. And I know sometimes we get upset and we get uh, uh, stirred up about things that happen and such. We're only looking at the trunk of the tree. We need to look up at the glories of the branches and the leaves and the blue sky and see the glories of God. We need to do that. We all need our vision sharpened by faith in Jesus Christ on a daily basis, spending time in the Bible, praying, and so on and so forth. And the unsaved need their vision sharpened. They need to see Jesus Christ as the Savior because the Bible tells us that 10 out of 10 people die. And those that have trusted in Christ, when they die, the Spirit leaves the body and goes into the presence of God and the body goes into the ground. But if a person is unsaved, their spirit will go into that holding cell called hell until the day of judgment. The unsaved need to see Jesus Christ, need to see Him as the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh, not some curse word or some other thing or some whatever. They need to understand that the cross of Calvary was a, where Jesus Christ, where God had stepped out of time and heaven as it were and took on a man's body and was crucified on that cross for your, for your sins, for my sins, in your place, in my place, for everybody on that cross. And he died on that cross and shed his blood for our sins. And they buried him in the tomb and he rose from the dead on the third day. Amen? Amen. He rose from the dead on the third day. And we must put our faith and belief in Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But we do need our, our, uh, our focus sharpened. If we were to ask anybody today, how many think we need revival? Um, over the years, every once in a while we ask this and every time, every hand goes up. We all recognize the fact that we need our vision sharpened a bit. We need to spend some time with Jesus. How do we see people? As trees walking? Part of the landscape? We ought to have that sharpened. Anyway, let's go back to this. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Verse 25 says, After that, he, being Jesus, put his hands again upon his eyes. So Jesus again, his hands on his eyes. Why twice? We can't answer that. We give some perhapses. And look at the next few words. And Jesus made him look up. See, the bent of that man was to look down. Just to look down. Was it discouragement? Was it the blindness? And I don't know about you, but sometimes we can just live in a state like that. And the Lord Jesus doesn't want us there. He says, lift up your head. Lift up your head. What's your problem today? What's your difficulty? Lift your head up and look. Look at the Savior. And when he lifted up that man's head, the Lord Jesus standing right in front of him, lifts up his... Puts his hands on him, lifts him up. And what did he see? He sees Jesus. Oh, there's a lot here for us. But it's such a simple lesson. It's such a simple lesson, and yet we miss it. And it's so dismissed so often and often that the problem that we have and the bent that we have, the, the nature that we have to do things contrary to God and so on and so forth. And the answer is the Lord himself. And he made him look up and he was restored and saw 
every man clearly. Often we see only ourselves, and we don't see the others clearly, do we? Lord, help me. We need our vision sharpened. And he sent them away to his house. Now they were outside of the town, but the man's house was out of the town, because the Lord Jesus says, neither go into the town. Don't go back into the town. Just go to your home and don't tell anyone. It's kind of strange, we think, but when we stop and think about it, there were people walking by where Jesus was healing this man, dealing with this man. People are walking by, and they didn't even notice Jesus. Did they forget? We dealt with that one earlier. Did the disciples uh, in the boat, you know, they said to Oh, he's upset with us because we didn't bring bread. They'd forgotten. The Lord says, you forgot, but we just fed the 5,000 and so on and so forth, and the 4,000. We can forget so easily. But when you don't get anything out of this today, we see that our old nature, and I think this looking down business is like to liken our old nature. It was mentioned earlier about that thing, and it's an insidious thing. Our old nature we have with us that wants to rebel against God and so on and so forth. But the answer, of course, is the Lord himself, to look up. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell it to any in the town. This is not the end of the thing here. We're going to stop in a minute anyways. This is not the end of it. We need to ponder that. What do you think was happening when 5,000 men, plus women and children, maybe tens of thousands of people were there at the feeding of the 5,000? And there's not one of them, remember? Mm. And they're walking past? Are we like that sometimes? Mm. We forget God, we forget the things of the Lord, and then we forget the Lord Jesus ourselves and go about doing our things. He should be in everything we do, amen? Amen. He should be. He should be. Anyway, it's an interesting account here. Um, the Lord just seemed to not want crowds at that time. He didn't want the, uh, uh, he didn't want the attention. One of the things he said about the crowds is what they followed him just so that they would be fed. They wanted to see miracles and they wanted to be fed. And at one point they were going to want to um, make him king. It just wasn't time yet. But anyways, we have here just a few verses. One, two, three, four, five verses. And it is so full of things. And when we study our Bibles, it's important for us to compare other scriptures. I think Mark is the only one that has this account. We're going to go back to Matthew next week. Mark only has this account right here. The Bible is fascinating, folks. And all the things that were said and done, all the uh, uh, gestures and the words we need to look at, we need to, we need to study these things, we need to spend time with them. Spend time in the Bible. Spend time with the Lord. Anyways, we have this uh, um, tremendous, tremendous account. What do you suppose that man did? When Jesus laid his hands on him, and he lifts his head up, and he sees Jesus' face. What would you do? He would have shouted, hallelujah. It's not recorded. What would you do? What would you do? What would your response be? And there's the Lord right there, and you can see clearly. Hallelujah. You can see clearer than you see today if you want. By looking to the Lord, making Him everything in your life, trusting in Him, believing and trusting everything 
We have a great Savior, folks. Amen. We have an amazing Savior. We have an amazing God. Let's uh, pray. We'll be done. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all these things you did and the things that are written here for us to see and to, to study and to learn from improve and build upon our experience, our Christian lives, Lord. We just thank you for your love and your care. Lord, I just picture in my mind you walking that man out of town so carefully, so gingerly, with such love and care and compassion. And Lord, that's how you deal with us. And you want us to look up. And you want our vision to be sharpened, Lord. Lord, help us to come to you. Help us to look to you and trust in all things. And Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.